We are called to live faithfully for Jesus 168 hours a week. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon and Chris. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast. On this podcast, we try to do a number of different things to encourage you in your walk in faith with Jesus. And one of those things is a Bible study. And right now we're going over the seven letters to the seven churches in Revelations chapter two and chapter three. And a couple of weeks ago, we went over the first portion of the letter to Ephesus. We read verses one through three, where Jesus had a lot of great things to say about the church of Ephesus, but then you still see the title is The Loveless Church. And so today in this episode, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into what Jesus had against the church of Ephesus. But again, I'd like to welcome you to the Faith 168 podcast. My name is Chris. We're here with Brother Brandon. Brother Brandon, how are you doing? Doing excellent, man. Thanks for asking. Good deal, good deal. It's always a pleasure to record another another episode with you. And also, we're here again with Brother Rob, who has joined us back for good. And you're never leaving again. Brother Rob, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's it's good to be back with you guys, and it's good to have my voice back this week. Yeah, you sound way better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought you were running a presidential campaign for a little bit last week. So. <laughs> right. Some people will get that. <laughs> yeah. If you know, you know. So let's go ahead and, and kind of look back at Revelation chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 4 today. But last last time we looked at this, we looked at a lot of good things about, you know, how how they were really patient, how Ephesus was really patient, and they they couldn't stand evil. Uh, they they you know didn't like the liars of the world and things like that. Now we're going to see something just a little bit different as we read Revelation chapter 2, verse 4, and it gets kind of negative right here. We're going to look at this on a personal outlook, on a local church outlook, and on a global outlook. But here's what Jesus has to say as he continues in this letter to Ephesus. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. And Mm. so those are some pretty deep words. Right there, but I guess maybe we need some context to first off into the Church of Ephesus at this time and why Jesus would say that. Do any of y'all have anything on the Church of Ephesus you'd like to share? Um, I guess I could begin here. So, as you said, Jesus had some good words to say to the Church of Ephesus, and here's where the bad comes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, he commended them and now he condemns them. And I like what, uh, the commentator, John Phillips said about this. Um, he said, the Lord says that one large debit consumed all their credit. Basically they were succeeding at good works and sound doctrine and endurance. Some of the things you mentioned before, right? but they had neglected something that was really significant. The most important thing which Jesus says is the love you had at first. 
mm-hmm. which I take to mean love for both Christ and love for one another. Yeah. And this is what the Ephesian church had failed in. This is their downfall. They really love to confront false teaching and they love to uphold sound doctrine. All that is good and well, but evidently in the process of that, they had left behind love for Jesus Christ and love for their fellow believers and those on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. And and that kind of goes into, you know, go back to the old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter six, verse five, you shall love the Lord, your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. And so you can have all those good things going on in your life, but if you don't love God and focus on that love, that unconditional godly love that only he can supply, it can, can really mean nothing. You can do all these great things and it means nothing. But, you know, Jesus also says in Matthew 22, 36 through 38, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law. And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord, your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment and kind of adding on to what you said right there, you know, loving each other because Jesus said the second is like it, right? That you shall love each other. So, yeah, I, I like what you, you said there. What about you, Rob? What you got? Yeah, so I find it very interesting that um, the church at Ephesus was kind of like the hub or um, the headquarters for the apostle uh, John. So John, the, the beloved, John, the, the disciple, the apostle that Jesus loved, uh, that's where he would write his gospel. And then that's where he would write his uh, epistles. And it's interesting, uh, as you guys well know, First uh, John 4, verse 10 says, Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that he loves us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we must also love one another. Um, and so the the church that is supporting and um, in commissioning the Apostle John is the one that's having the, the biggest problem with love. And, and that's interesting to me because if there was anybody that understood God's love, um, it was John. It was the Apostle John. And so... Um, I think this is probably pretty personal for John as well as he's writing this. I bet, um, and betting's probably not the best word to, to use there, but I would imagine that, that John is is almost grieved in his spirit mm-hmm. to know that his home church is struggling with something that that's not even a, it's not even something that he struggles with. He understands it more than most. Um, right. And so, the context here is that um, we have a, a church in, in which uh, is commissioning the Apostle John, who who understands God's love completely, yet they have forgot that love from the very beginning. And and of course, that takes me to First um, Corinthians chapter thirteen. Right? Um, right? It doesn't matter what you do. Uh, if I speak in human or angelic tongues, but do not have love. I'm a noisy gong or a clinging symbol. Um, Mm -hmm. I have nothing. I gain nothing. I can give nothing. Um, But with love, all things are possible. With with him that 
you know, and so those are some of my thoughts on the, the context of, of the verse. Mm-hmm. Um, I might interject and ask you guys, what do you think the significance is here that uh, Jesus tells them this is a love you had at first? Yeah, that that's a good thing to look at because we, we see probably one of the the greatest uh, missteps we have in our human nature is that we can start out really on fire and, and getting yeah. everything right. And then over time, uh, things start to slip up. And so, so they kept hold of like some of the things. And, and in a sense, it, it almost sounds like Jesus is saying, hey, you're doing great in all these things, but you're kind of going just through the motions because all these works you're doing, uh, you know, that that's nothing without this love you had at first. And it said that they abandoned it too. Yeah, that's a very, right. a very strong word to do there. But I think if we were to look at this on an individual lens, that first we need to really set ourselves up for the race of faith. You know how Paul talks about that, how we need endurance, how James says that our trials that we go through helps to produce endurance uh, and, and so sometimes we go all in without protecting ourselves and setting ourselves up to, to make sure that we never lose sight of the goal. And that's what it sounds like Ephesus is on the verge of doing. And, and that's where it starts really is uh, it, it seems like the works are, you know, come second. They're the things that fall yeah. second. And so Ephesus, they had lost their first love. They weren't really looking to God. Uh, they weren't probably loving each other the way that they should. They were doing all the great works still. But how long could Ephesus stay standing without their first love, uh, keeping everything together? And that's what God's love is in any congregation, uh, for any individual, for, for the global church. Uh, it's the glue that holds us all together, that yeah. unites us all. And so I think it's important to look at it, that Ephesus did have this love. That's yeah. what they had at first, and they were excelling. And now they're on the verge of not excelling uh, because they had abandoned that first love. Yeah, and aren't we all kind of guilty of that sometimes, you know? Uh, yeah. I think of like Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10, you know, where... Uh, Martha becomes so busy with spiritual service, good things, you know, mm-hmm. that she neglects loving Christ. Um, right. Mary in that passage is sitting at the Lord's feet. She's listening to his teaching. She's fellowshipping with him and exhibiting her love for Christ by being with him. But the passage says in Luke ten forty that Martha was distracted with much mm-hmm. serving. And she's like, uh, Lord, you might want to say a few words to Mary. She's not helping me. Tell mm-hmm. her to, to help me. She's left me to serve alone. And, and Jesus says, Martha, you got it all wrong. Mary has chosen the good portion, and that will not be taken away from her. And, right. you know, that tells us that serving can actually be separated from love for Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Martha was distracted with it, so busy sacrificing her time and energy serving other people and that pre, uh, prevented her from spending time with the Lord expressing her love for him which is what Mary was commended for 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think it's important to really look at our works and ask ourselves, are, are we just kind of going through the motion and what we're doing or is love leading us to this? And I think as an individual, that's, that's very important. Now, uh, Rob, what about on, on the local side? What about a local church? Uh, how, how could this affect them? Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to read um, from Matthew chapter 5. This is the Sermon on the Mount, uh, starting in verse 13. So it says, uh, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So we have to remember that everything that we do... uh, is to be done for God as if we're working for God. And it's ultimately to bring him glory. Um, And when we shine the light of his love, what we're doing is we're bringing him glory as we lead people to him. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so what's happening to the church at at Ephesus is uh, they've lost their love um, that they once had as brother Brandon rightly pointed out. Um, but I, I think not only for, for God, but for each other. Uh, and when we forget to, to love each other, that's when we, um, treat each other poorly, but we also forget to point each other towards Christ. And Mm -hmm. when we're doing that, basically what we're doing is, is we're putting, uh, like the old, uh, children's song, um, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, hide it under a bushel. No, um, what we're doing is when we forget about our love, we're, we're hiding our light so people can't yeah. see and, and God is not yeah. getting glory. Um, speaking of that, um, you can look at, at um, Romans chapter 2 and, and you can see uh, in verse 4, or do, uh, do you despise the riches of of his kindness, restraint, and patience, not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. It's the goodness of God, the love of God that leads us to repentance. Now, the Old Testament is clear. It's the fear of God that um, that is the beginning of wisdom. But the, the true understanding and fulfillment, uh, being perfectly fulfilled with, with uh, filled with wisdom, is understanding the love of God. It's the love that leads us to repentance. And so if we don't share the love of Christ um, in truth, then then we're encouraging people not to repent. We're, we're, we're taking away from the glory of God. And so as a local body of believers, both, both personally and congregationally, um, if we do not return to our love, if we don't repent and... And I think we should have a, a sidebar conversation on what repentance truly means. So um, oftentimes we think of repentance as this idea of changing our behavior 
from mm-hmm. doing something bad to doing something mm-hmm. uh, the right way. Where, where scriptures is clear, repentance is the changing of our mind. Instead yeah. of um, focusing on um, on our sin or, or focusing on um, the, the stuff that, that kind of consumes us um, and, and forces us to walk away from God, we, we focus on God. We put our mind on the things uh, of Christ and his word and, and his ideas. And that leads me to, um, to, to Romans chapter two. And in Romans chapter two, in verse four, this is what the word of God says, or do you not uh, despise the riches of his kindness, restraint and patience, not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. And so what we have to understand is that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. And so our, our mind needs to change from all of the other things. And in, in Revelation chapter 2, and Jesus is clearly commending Ephesus for doing all these good things. But when our, our focus is on these good things and not on, on Christ, um, there can be too much of a, of a good thing and, and not the focus on the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of, it's kind of like, you know, playing sports. I used to play soccer and a lot of people didn't realize that about me because I was mostly into basketball and football, but I wasn't a great soccer player. And my coach told me all the things I needed to learn. And so I focused on the fundamentals of the game, but one thing I didn't focus on was scoring you know, and so I learned how to dribble the ball with my feet. I learned all the different positions on the field uh, and and it was all great. But then when it came down to scoring a goal, I was awful at it because I didn't focus on it. And and it almost kind of sounds like my coach right there. (laughs) It's like, well, that's all good. And, and you're doing great at dribbling the ball and passing the ball. But Chris, when are you going to score? Like when, when are you going to actually do something yeah. uh, with it? And so it was good that I knew how to do those things, but it was bad because knowing how to do those things didn't lead me to scoring at the end. I had to really focus on the first point of the game to win by scoring. And so maybe I should have started first focusing on scoring rather than the other parts of the game and then work my way back from that. And so I think that's important as a local church yeah. that, that we focus back on our, our great commission to go out and, and reach people, baptizing them in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. And the only way we can do that is to love them, yeah, to right. love this lost and dying world around us, to love our brothers and sisters so that we can work as a team together and go out. And, and, you know, let's not just focus on, on the local church right here, but let's go on to the, the global church and, and think about that for a moment. Uh, I don't know what you think, Brandon, but does it seem like the global church relates to Ephesus right here in verse four? Well, it's hard to say when you don't have insight like the Lord does into right. the state of every church that mm-hmm. uh, um, 
claims to be his own, you know, kind of like we said before, Jesus says in this passage that he walks among the lampstands, which means he knows what's going on in his local right. church and his global church all throughout the planet. He's walking among his churches and seeing what's going on. But I will say that the global church as well as the local church will never be effective in fulfilling our mission unless we love Christ and love one another. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Robbie, uh, Robbie, you mentioned earlier the love chapter in first Corinthians 13, where Paul says, look, it doesn't matter if I can speak really eloquently or if I am endowed with all these miraculous gifts, but I don't have love. It just is meaningless. And that's really the way it is too, especially in our preaching of the gospel. You know, people are not going to hear us. They're not going to hear what we have to say if they know that we don't love them. Mm -hmm. It kind of goes back to the old adage that says people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm -hmm. And we can't expect for people to hear our preaching of the gospel if it doesn't come from a heart of love, if it's not seasoned and baptized with love. But I do think we do see um, maybe sort of the opposite of this in the global church, maybe in the American church as well, mm-hmm. where people claim to be, churches claim to be doing things in the name of love, but what yeah. they're really doing is unloving, you know? Right. Where they abandon, they kind of they do the opposite of the church at Ephesus. They accept false teachers, they abandon sound doctrine, but they say they're doing it in the name of love right? because they love Christ and they love other people and they don't want to be offensive or whatnot. Well, that's really the opposite of love. You know, mm-hmm. love tells people the truth. Yeah. Love seeks for the spiritual welfare of another person. And part of that spiritual welfare includes risking being offensive for telling people the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the most loving thing you can do. It's not that you scream at people or hit them over the head with the Bible, but uh, sometimes standing boldly in the truth uh, can be offensive. And I, I always maintain this, and some people don't like how I say it, but I think it rings true, and y'all tell me if I'm crazy or not. But I think the Bible is the most offensive book in the world because it tells us how wrong we are. And by oh, one yeah. definition, man, that's offensive. It's telling me that I'm a sinner, that I need to repent, that all these desires of my heart are evil. But it's also the greatest book in the world because it tells us how to fix the problem uh, by taking up our cross, denying ourselves, and following Jesus. And and so uh, loving can sometimes seem unloving to the world because if we're going to be the light in the world, the darkness is going to run. And so they either are exposed by the light and it's painful for a moment Mm -hmm. because I remember when I became a Christian, it was a very painful moment because I felt like the dirtiest person in the world is my sin was exposed and and I couldn't run from it anymore. And, And I felt like the dirtiest person in the world. But then as I put my faith in Christ, he, he made me whole. He cleansed me white as snow. And I went from feeling like the dirtiest, rottenest person in the world to feeling like the cleanest person in the world uh, because I was I had the love of God poured out all over me. And so one might ask when, when confronting this problem, what might we do if we find ourselves as an individual 
person, an individual Christian, uh, or a local church, or even maybe the answer for the global church, if we find ourselves abandoning our first love, how might we turn back to that? And I think that's a good place to start uh, reading verse 5. So, Brother Rob, you want to read verse 5 for us? Yeah, absolutely. So, verse 5 says, Remember, uh, remember then how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Otherwise, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Man, that sounds like something you just said earlier, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah, repent. 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 So, so that's, I guess that's the answer to the question right there. How do we get back? And, and the answer is repentance, mm-hmm. uh, that, that we repent of the wrong that we've done, that it's not just as Rob was saying earlier, like, you know, we go from doing bad to doing good, but, but there's a huge change in that as we completely turn away from what was dragging us under. And as I said before, I think when we abandon our first love, when we stop doing things out of loving God and stop serving each other by loving each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, all those other works that Ephesus was being commended for will start to quickly break apart. And so it seems like a... You know, this is a last-ditch effort to get their their team on track and saying, look, everything else is about to fall apart, and here's the answer to how you need to fix it. Repent and focus on God again. And, and so I think Brother Rob was very right in talking about repentance, and, and maybe, maybe we need... A, a sidebar on repentance once more, but how how does a church or an individual repent of that? What what does that entail, even? So I I like to think um, of what it says here and do the works you did at first. Now first yeah. l- let's talk about these works. Um, these works are not for salvation uh, because right. the only works required for salvation is Jesus finished work on the cross. Um, right. That's done. Right. And, and once we are saved, that that has been taken care of. It's past tense. Um, and, and I love looking through all the words like justified. Um, it's um, we're made to, as if we had never sinned. Right. And yeah, uh, justified, these, just as if I'd never sinned. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> and so I love these, these past tense words, but, as James talks about, as we talked about many moons ago, um, that faith without works is dead because our faith, authentic faith, is going to produce good works. So right. what works did we perform at first? And I don't know about you guys, but but when I first got saved, I wasn't, I wasn't going and preaching the gospel. I wasn't going and, and, and doing great works for the kingdom necessarily. But what I was doing was falling deeper in, in love with, with Jesus as I understood even more the weight of my sin and, and I understood what he had done for me. I, and mm-hmm. I, I just, it was awesome to, to see how good of a God he was, how good of a father he is, what he's done for me. And, and I think the place that, that we get back, back on track 
is maybe having a little bit of realization of, of how bad our sin is and how good he is for, for loving us. What other king has left his throne to die, and, and even for a good person, but, but I wasn't a good person. Mm-hmm. The Bible says that I was the enemy of God. What right. what king would leave his throne to die for his enemy? There's only one that I know of, and that's King Jesus. He loved me so much that even while I was a sinner, even while I was afar off, even while I was his, his enemy, he loved me. And and I know that sounds cliche, and I know that that we can get bogged down in the mundane of of the love that God has for us, but that's Satan's doing. That's not Christ. Christ wants to fill us with his love. And and when we feel mundane about the love of Christ, it's because we haven't experienced the love of Christ lately. And, and that's what we need to get, get back to. Individually, yeah. I, I try every day to have an attitude of gratitude. And once again, I'm cliche in it all of, over the place over here. But <laughs> when I start my day understanding that, uh, and, and I heard a preacher preach this the other day, and I thought it was so good. He said, you know, when I was younger, you would hear pastors and, and deacons and servants of the church get up and pray before the church. Thank you, Father, for waking me up this morning. How many times have you heard somebody lately pray for for that very thing, that, that it was God's goodness that woke me up this morning? It wasn't anything that, that I was doing, but, but God wakes me up every morning because of his grace, because of his mercy, because of his love for me. And I, I believe if, if we have those attitude of gratitude, if we wake up thankful, if we focus on how good God is and how much he loves us, that, that we are now called a, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, that, um, that, that we are, were chosen before the foundation of the world, that, that he loves us and cares for us, if we focus on who we are in, in Christ, um, we can get back to that love individually right. and, and I think collectively as a, a local body of believers. Right. Yeah, and I see another thing here too worth worth talking about. And let's get a little controversial now. Uh, oh, I'm ready. Uh, yeah, you ready for that? <laughs> I can see Brandon over there rubbing his hands together right now. <laughs> but... This is something I've heard in the past. So so we've talked about salvation and how it's eternal, that once saved, always saved, that collectively we three agree on that and know that it's completely biblical. And some might look at this and say, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Uh, I've, I've heard that used before. I'm sure you have as well yeah. as a idea that you can lose your salvation and so maybe it's worth talking about and maybe Brandon what do you think what what in the world is Jesus talking about well I certainly understand the reasoning and the logic behind people who see this and they're like oh you know that's that's a pretty serious threat from the Lord Jesus Mm -hmm. and they might take that threat too far and read this too literally and say well then that's saying if I don't love Christ and I don't love uh, my fellow believers, then Christ is going to remove my salvation from me. He's going to take it away. Mm-hmm. But I think the answer 
um, for that question and, and the right understanding of this verse comes from understanding what lampstand means, which right. the context of Revelation tells us that's a metaphor for the church. Right. Um, and I think what he simply means here is that the Ephesian church would lose their effectiveness and their mm-hmm. privilege in the world if they did not repent of their lovelessness. Right. He said, all right, I'm going to take your lampstand from its place. Well, what would happen if you removed a lampstand from its position? It mm-hmm. would no longer give out light. Mm-hmm. It would no longer shed light to what was in its proximity. Right. And I think that's pretty much what he's warning them about. He's saying, look, if you don't repent, your light's going to go out. Yeah. You're going to lose your status and influence and you're not going to be able yeah. to give out light anymore to Ephesus or anyone else. Right. And, and to go back to my little bit on, on playing soccer. So essentially it's almost like if Jesus were my coach saying, Hey, look, you got all the dribbling down, but you ain't scoring. So now you're going to go sit on the bench for a little bit. Uh, right. You're not and, you off know. the team. You're just <laughs> right. out for a period of time. Right. And, and so I, I completely agree with you there. Uh, I don't know, Rob, do you have any difference or do you agree with that? Yeah, I believe exactly the same. Same thing that Jesus says in uh, in Matthew chapter five with the Sermon on the Mount, right? Um, mm-hmm. The we are a lampstand. You put it up in the house so everybody can see. Um if you remove the lamp, then people can't can't see. But the good thing that, that God does is, is he raises up a new lampstand. Um, the lampstand is not our salvation. It's not even us individually. It's collectively our light shines brighter together. And, and that's what the lampstand is. The lampstand is the church. Uh, and so when he removes the lampstand, it's, it's taking the influence of the church away. And most of the time what he'll do is he'll rise up somebody else that that is willing to let the light of the love of, of Christ shine. Here I am. Send me Lord. Yeah. And, and I think if we look at that too, on a individual level, first and foremost, I believe God can use every single one of us greatly if we're willing and, and submit ourselves to, to his will. But I also have the understanding through scripture that if I won't submit to him, if I, you know, he calls me somewhere. Well, we just got done reading the book of Jonah. He might send a big fish to swallow me up. Yeah. Or he might just say, look, you could, you could be used greatly or you could go sit off to the side and mope and, and whine and, and have your little pity party for a little bit, but you're going to miss out on all of the blessings that come along with, with serving my will. And so as an individual there, I, I see a great need for repentance at that time because you want to you want to be in there. You want to be serving. That should be a, a part of our response when we love God, when we love our brothers and sisters, that we want to be serving in our church, uh, in the community around us, and the world around us. And then that's a big thing really too, to think of as a church. I think a lot of churches have had their lampstands removed lately. Uh, a lot of people look at the amount of churches that closed their doors in the past decade. And it, and it's sad. It really is sad. But at the same time, why were those doors closed? And I don't want to sound very critical of all of the churches around that have closed their doors, but it's going to sound critical. So bear with me and don't hate me. 
after mm-hmm. I say this, but I think the only reason a church closes its doors is because its members it, have become ineffective. They've stopped doing the things that they needed to do. And you can't blame God. You right. can't blame the world for the doors closing. The exactly. only ones that can be blamed for the doors closing are the ones inside. And that doesn't mean that everybody in there was a horrible example of a Christian. I'm sure there were several in there that, that were fighting to, to keep going, that truly loved God and were submitted to the will of God. But collectively as a whole, what happens when there's only a couple doing that and the majority aren't loving God, our, our doors start shutting. And so uh, I, I've seen a greater outpouring now from the churches that remain because they see that a bunch of lampstands were removed. Yeah. And it's time to get serious about what we're doing and why we're doing it. Because if we don't love God, if we don't love our brothers and sisters, you might as well just go ahead and shut the doors because you're not effective. In, in exactly. fact, you might be even worse than not being effective. You might be a problem bringing other churches down around you. Yeah, counterproductive. Yeah, counterproductive. So, I don't, I don't know. Did that sound too harsh? Well, it, the truth hurts, man. I mean, yeah. this was something Jesus said to a real church. He's like, if you don't repent then there's a consequence for it. There are repercussions. You will not be effective. You will lose your influence in the world. And if you lose your influence in the world and you don't grow, you may shut your doors. And actually, that's what history tells us happened to the Ephesian church. Mm -hmm. Um, The writings of uh, Irenaeus, which was right after the time of the New Testament, he said that they heeded this command. They continued thriving as a church, but Evidently, that died out because all you have there now are the ruins of what once was. Right. Yeah. You know, I was I was talking today with um, a really good friend and a mentor of of mine and brother Chris's, and uh, we were talking about different ministry opportunities in our community, and we were talking about a lot of this same stuff, and and uh, he was talking to me about one of the um, ministry opportunities. And I said, I said, now look, brother, I said, things are going really well at the the church I met. Uh, we've, we've just had a meeting where we, uh, have come together and, uh, decided to, to be all about Christian community where we are going to, uh, to be a welcoming church from the time that people pull up to the parking lot to the time that they leave, that we share the love of Christ and and I'm excited about what God's going to do at, at our church. But I, I told him, I said, but if that changes, I need you to know that that my allegiance isn't isn't to a church, but it's it's to Christ. Uh, and I'm not going to be somewhere where there's nothing being done, where there's no influence in the community because people aren't. And, and it's funny, I, I use the same words that Brother Brandon used. Um, that if, if people don't see that, or that people only care when they, they know that we care. So, yeah. um, yeah. I, I think it's, it's so important. And, and because what his, the, the thought press says for this conversation, uh, was that so many churches are, are looking down on this ministry opportunity 
um, because of the people involved um, and how how heartbreaking it is to think that because some people are thought of as less than mm-hmm. that churches would look down upon a ministry maybe because that those people don't have the ability to tithe or they don't have the resources that would grow a church or whatever reason it might be that somebody might not um, share the love of Christ. But um, we've got to change Um, global, not necessarily globally, but the church in America has to change without a doubt. Well, it starts from the bottom up. You know, the, the change starts first with the individual, the individual uh, really as they change can change the local and the local is what makes up the global. And and so it really starts first with the individual. But I think, I think we found a good stopping point here uh, for, for this podcast today. We've, we've looked at how you can be doing a lot of great things and doing a lot of great works, but without love, it really doesn't mean much. And so if your focus is not on loving God and loving others. You need to reevaluate your your standing. You need to repent of of that sin of turning away from your first love and get back on track with the will of God. But if you like this episode, I encourage you to send us a message, uh, give us some talking points, tell us you disagreed with us, tell us you agreed with us, whatever that may be. We'd love to hear your feedback. And also, as we continue on, we're going to be talking about more controversial topics pulling things off of TikTok and and talking about some of these uh, TikTok warriors and theological uh, experts that you find all over TikTok. So if you see an interesting TikTok you'd like us to cover, or you just have a question you would like us to cover that is a deep theological question that might help you on your walk in faith, go ahead and send that to us on the Faith168 Facebook page. But Brandon, Rob, It was great to record another episode with you. And so, Brandon, why don't you go ahead and dismiss us in prayer today? Absolutely. Our Father, we thank you for this text of Scripture before us. Thank you for all of our listeners who have tuned in to join us in this journey of studying your Word and gleaning its soul-sanctifying truth so, so that we can live faithfully for Jesus every hour of every day and every day of the week. And we just do pray that you might help us to love you. We know that we're able to love you because you loved us first. But Lord, we also pray we might love one another and that we might keep love central even as we do the things that this Ephesian church was doing, which is confronting false doctrine and holding fast to sound doctrine. And if we have found ourselves in a place of lovelessness, Lord, we pray that you might help us to repent and remember from where we've fallen and do the works we did at first. And again, thank you for this time we can share together. We pray all these things in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Faith 168 podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you have a prayer request or have a topic that you would like us to cover, Message us on the Faith 168 Podcast Facebook page, and we will see you in 168 hours.